0: Okay, It's good to be out, good to see everyone that's out and those that are in the parking lot. We're glad that uh, you're here this morning and we trust that our time will be profitable as we open the word of the Lord. I invite you to open to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3 here. We'll in our study and be the basis of our study, the phrase that's found in this passage of scripture. Uh, uh, different ones there in Cancun sent greetings to the congregation, to the brethren here. And so I relay those greetings to you. I guess we're kind of lucky today because you have an option. You can hear this lesson in Spanish, or you can hear this lesson in English. This, this is one that I can speak in Spanish, and uh, so we're pretty lucky. We, we got a choice here. We'll probably vote for for English, but but if if we got more that want to hear it in Spanish, we we'll do that second. We'll, we'll do that after after on a second service. No, I'm just joking there. <clears throat> here in the book of Colossians, chapter three, Colossians chapter three. Notice here in the first four verses, Paul says, "If you then be risen with Christ." Seek those things which are above, which, uh, where Christ setteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. That verse 4, where Paul says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, with, uh, shall, uh, shall appear then shall you appear with him in glory. I want you to notice that phrase, Christ who is our life? I mean, just think about that phrase, Christ, who is our life? That's what Paul said, Christ, who is your life? Uh, is our life or your life, depending on what translation you're using there. And uh, that's kind of what we want to focus about, is that thought of Paul there in verse 4. Christ, who is your life? Christ, who is our life? All right, Christ needs to be the center of our life. That is certainly emphasized not only in this passage but in other passages let's look there once again in Colossians chapter 3 he says that we're to seek those things which are above that is we're seeking the things of heaven where Christ sits, because Christ sits at the right hand of God in heaven set your affections on things above not on things on the earth he says that your life is hid with Christ uh, there in verse 3 and there in verse 4 he says uh, when Christ who is our life then drop down in verse 11 there in Colossians chapter 3. Again, another verse that emphasizes that, uh, the importance and the exaltation of Christ in our life. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew nor uh, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free. But Christ is all and in all. Christ is all. That is, Christ is the center of our life. Christ who is our life. Christ who is all. Then notice in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter describes it this way. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. If you read from the New American Standard Version, it says, But sanctify Christ as Lord. That is, that we set him apart. That is, we exalt him and put him on the pedestal of our heart, that he is ruler, that he is king. And he's the one that we're to listen to. Then notice in the book of Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, a very familiar verse, hopefully. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. That is that word I is where we get our word ego. Ego, self doesn't live because he's been crucified. And he says, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Christ who is our life. That same point. But Christ uh, lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so Christ lives within us. That is, we sanctify him. He is our life. Matthew 6 and verse 33, another verse saying the same point with a little bit different language. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So we're to be seeking First. Uh, primarily, it is priority, preeminence, that we seek uh, the, uh, the will of God and the uh, uh, rule of God in our hearts. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, Paul says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ. Christ who is our life, uh, seeking first the kingdom of God. Christ lives within me. Now notice an Old Testament passage, the concept of the exaltation of God and the preeminence of God in our life. Notice in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, which is really the conclusion of Solomon's uh, uh, pursuit. And that is, well, what's life all about? And going through all the various things. He says, well, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Or if you notice the word duty is italicized in some of the translations, and some don't even use the word duty. But this is the whole of man. This is who we are, that we serve God, that we follow after God. And then one more passage that emphasizes that Christ should be the center of our life. Notice there in the book of Matthew chapter 22 and verse 36, uh, one of the Pharisees comes and says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And in verse 37, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like to it, that you shall, love the na- uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, body, strength, if you... Look at other uh, parallel passages there. And that is that Christ is to be the center of our life. So we have a lot of verses, as we see here on the screen, that, uh, well, Christ is to be our life. He's to be the center. He's what life's all about for the Christian, for the servant of God. And uh, that's what it ought to be. Now, what does it mean, Christ, who is our life? Well, let me just illustrate it. As we think about our life, that Christ is to be the center, the core of our life. Of all the things and relationships that we have living here on planet Earth. And there are five possible relationships that all of us are involved in here living on planet Earth. You have family. We're all related to family. Are we not? Are we not all part of a family, come from some family? Uh, We have work. Yeah, we all have work, work responsibility, occupation, business. We have society, we all live in a community. We live in a society. I live in the community right here called Green Meadows. I have responsibilities living in my society, being here in Somerset, Kentucky, being uh, a habitant here in this town, uh, et cetera, and whatever community that you're in. Government, we all are citizens of uh, a country, be a citizen of Kentucky, of the United States of America, whatever government you're under, we have responsibilities along that line. And then you think about the church, that is spiritual relationship, and there they are. I mean, count them, five, one, two, three, four, five. That that includes all relationships that we will sustain here on planet Earth, wherever we go. Whether we're on vacation somewhere, whether we're into the Kroger's picking up something, or we uh, go out to uh, uh, wherever, Uh, To the ball game, or we're at work, wherever, there it is. You have. And Christ is to be the center and core. That is, He is to be exalted. That His will and whatever He says revealed in His book gives us instruction in all five of these areas. It's not for me to just figure up uh, in my human wisdom, in my thinking, my thinkology, uh, well, this is the way I think it ought to be. No, it's not for me to decide. We are giving principles and concepts of how we ought to live. Now, there are sometimes variations of applications, Uh, sometimes based and related to customs and whatever given society that we're in, but we have biblical principles and precepts, and that's what we look for, is the biblical principle and precepts. And there'll be questions that will come up. Well, how should I act? That is, well, when I'm living in a society in the neighborhood, how should I be acting? How should should I be behaving? Or when I'm at, uh, you know, in my family life, whether I have to be a, a, a husband or if I'm a, a wife or if I'm a mom, I'm a dad, I'm a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, brother, sister, family relationship, how am I to behave? What's my responsibility in these given obligations there concerning family life or work or government? How should I? Uh, what, what's the Lord's will for me in any given area, any given relationship? If Christ is our life, if Christ is exalted, if we sanctify Christ as God, uh, as the Lord, as ruler, as king, well, we're thinking about, well, now how should I be acting? What's God's will in any of these relationships? Or what's the right thing to do? I'm thinking about, well, what does the flesh feel like doing? I mean, sometimes we live by the impulses of the flesh, and, you know, we feel like going over there, punching him in the mouth. Like last weekend, like Will Smith, he just got he got tripped off by some comedian that was sort of, well, kind of making fun about his wife's uh, health condition, and just he just gets up there and I mean, smacks him down. Well, I mean, was that the Lord's will? I mean, was he, was he exemplifying the Lord's will? I, I would tend to think no. Now, the, the comedian, maybe he wasn't. You know, that wasn't good on his part, probably wrong on both parts, but it's certainly not right to just, because I don't like what you say, I'm just going to walk up and slap you in the face. Well, we need to think, well, what, what's the right thing to do in any given situation? Well, how would Jesus have to have me to handle the situation? I'm trying to think of how maybe Jesus would do things, and what would, he, what would he want me to do? Not acting by the impulses of the flesh, but acting by the impulses of the teachings of Christ Jesus. Uh, What is Jesus teaching on the matter in the church, in the family, at the workplace, uh, before government? And a few years ago, it was very popular, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Pretty good phrase, I guess, in a sense, if we begin to think about how Jesus would handle (laughs) things. And so that's what it means. Christ is the center. He's the core. Christ, who is our life. That's what Paul said, Christ is our life. That's what God wants for us, is that Christ would be our life. Now, that raises the question, well, why should Christ be our life? Why should we exalt him as Lord? Why, why should we do this? I mean, we, we read that we're to do that, and invariably somebody will be thinking, well, why? Well, why should I do that? It's kind of like a kid. When mom and dad tells him to do something, sometimes kids will say, well, why do I have to do that? Okay, well, you need to kind of go over the reasons why kids need to be obeying their mom and dad. I, I, I remember when I was a kid, I, I used to wonder, well, why? Why should I? My well, mom said, well, you're supposed to. And I would think, well, why am I supposed to? And then when I finally studied the Bible, I learned why I'm supposed to. Because Ephesians chapter six says, "Children, you obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right." It makes logical sense, physically, because. Parents know more than little kids, but, but uh, biblically, we're supposed to do it. That's the reason why, because God said to do it. Well, Why should Christ be uh, our life, the center and core of our life, our thinking, our, our mindset? Colossians chapter 1 will answer that question. It will give us three very important reasons, and let's look at that passage. Let's just begin by just reading the text. In Colossians chapter 1, if you got your Bible, look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul says, who, that is speaking of Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God? That is, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The ideal firstborn, as you look at verse 18, is the significance of preeminence. He has preeminence over all creation. Not that God created him first and then then later Jesus created everything else. That's that's not so. That's a misunderstanding. Our our friends in Watchtower takes that position. That's an incorrect understanding of the passage that's uh, incorrect why because verse 16 for by him were all things created <laughs> interesting in the watch tire translations they will put in by him were all other things created see if jesus was a created being and then says that all things were created so did he create himself well that wouldn't make sense so they insert the word other the word other to try to harmonize with their uh, wrong uh Uh, Explanation of verse 15. The idea of firstborn of all creation means that he has preeminence over all creation. For by him were all things created. And there they that are in heaven, and they that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things are held together. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. That's the point Paul emphasized. The preeminence of Jesus, and so that's what it means, firstborn from the dead, preeminence, firstborn of creation, preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by uh, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. himself. By him, I say, whether things be in in heaven or in earth, uh, or things in earth or or things in heaven, And you that were once alienated, enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Well, what did we learn from that? Why? What are reasons why I should exalt Christ as Lord? Why should I make him my life? Why should he be the center and core of my life? Well, first off, because he created us. He made us. If you could say, well, Christ didn't make me. You know, God didn't make me. I'm kind of an exemption, you know. I just sort of, no. Who who could say say that? We're all the creatures of God. God created us. We did not make ourselves. God is the ultimate creator. That's reason number one. It's like we make cars. And what do we expect of our cars? They just kind of do whatever they want to do. No, we expect cars to do what we want to do. We push the start button. And the car is supposed to stop. Uh, it's supposed to start. We push the stop button, and it stops. We push the D button, it goes into drive. We push it, uh, put it in R, and we want it to go R. We turn the steering wheel to the left, and we expect the car to go to the left. Why? The car is subject uh, to the creator, that is, to mankind. We own the car, we expect the car to do what we want it to do, to go, to stop, etc. And that's what God, because he's a creator. Now, the interesting thing is, he made us creatures of choice. We can decide to reject God. Okay, yeah, we have that power. We have the, the power of will. But the reason why we should exalt Christ first and exalt God first is, well, because he created us. Second off, there in verse 17, he sustains us. He upholds all things by the power of his hand. Why, why, uh, why do we see these, these change of seasons? I mean, Just like clockwork, it, it happens every year. Well, because Christ is the sustainer of the, of the world that we live in. The change of seasons, it's in, it's, in the, it's in the control of God. And the sun comes up, the sun goes down every day, uh, etc. Gravity is always, always there. Why? Because Jesus is the sustainer. And because God sustains us, he gives us air to breathe, he gives us life, etc. That's another reason why we should exalt, uh, exalt him as Lord. And the third reason, he redeems us. Redemption is offered through Christ Jesus. That's another reason. So there we have three very clear reasons why we exalt Christ as Lord, that he should be our life. Because he's our creator, he's our sustainer, and he's our redeemer. Now, if anybody could claim exemption from any of these, on all three of these points, okay, you don't have to submit to Christ. Well, who can say, well, God didn't create me, and God doesn't sustain me, and God has not offered me redemption? No, nobody. All right, now, interesting Jesus sets the example for us. You know, Jesus did not just make a bunch of rules and expect us to follow these rules, and, but he wasn't willing to do it. I mean, you, you got the, the religious leaders that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 23, that they make all these heavy birds to be born, but then they won't even lift a finger to do it themselves. You know, they, they point the way, this is what you ought to do, you ought to do this, 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 but then they never do anything about it. Jesus didn't say, okay, now you just put God first in your life, and if it's difficult, well, you don't have to worry about that. You, you know, you, you can just kind of forget it. No. Jesus set the perfect example for us, that he came to do God's will here upon earth. Even when it was difficult, he still, go, he still did God's will. Look there in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, you have Jesus here in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is going to be crucified the next day. He's going to be betrayed. He is going to be beaten and mistreated and spit upon, etc. They're going to nail him to a cross. I mean, he knows what's coming. And he's praying here. And notice there in verse 42, saying, Father, if you be willing, remove this cup from me. I mean... He really didn't want to do this. I mean, the flesh is, no, I mean, it's not like, you know, you have a sore, uh, a sore tooth and your mouth's hurting. You go to the dentist and say, well, look like you're going to have a root canal. Oh, oh, great. That, that, that is the best news I've had all week. No, nobody says that. We just cringe thinking about getting a root canal because people's had them and they are horrible. I mean, they, they, Well, they try to numb you, but still sometimes you still feel pain and da, da, da. And it's just a horrible experience to have a root canal. And so we just shun from things that are very painful. No. From the flesh, he didn't want it. Father, if it would be possible, could this cup be removed from me, this cup of suffering that he was going to have to drink? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You see, the will of God still had to come. You know, I mean, this was God's plan that he would die on the cross. And it wasn't like, it was, it's not like God said, okay, yeah, it's pretty difficult. All right, let's go to, let's go to plan B. Plan B. It'll be a little bit less severe. No, there was no plan B. This was the only way it was going to bring about human redemption. Christ was going to have to die on the cross to die for our sins. And so he exalted the will of God in his heart. He put God first. He loved God more than anything else. And it's okay, not my will but yours be done. And that was his disposition. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat were, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Have you ever been under great duress and just sweat breaks out all over you? You would understand exactly. I don't think I've ever been under a stressful situation well, it was like when I was flying to Cancun last week. It was like, oh, we're doing pretty good. As I got to the coastline and looked down, could see the beach, and oh, there's the airport. Oh, but then we passed up Cancun, and we get down, down below the clouds, and the air was turbulent. And so we go, I don't know how, how long. And then we finally turn around to come back, and it's like an extra 20 minutes rough. And I had not been sick on a plane for I don't know how many years, but I got sick. I mean, it, it, was, it was duressing. I remember just breaking out in the sweat, trying to breathe. You know, hold yourself. You don't want to puke. You don't want to puke. And it's like sweat breaking all over. It was, it was very, uh, it was terrible. And there wasn't any of the little bags there in the seat in front of me. And I asked the fellow, you got a bag? And he asked his wife, and there was one next to it. Uh, she was sitting on the other side, and she handed me a bag. And I had that ready, and fortunately. Glad i had glad I because I was thinking, well, the middle seat was empty. I guess I was just going to throw a point. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I guess that was the best option, just to in the middle seat. <laughs> but I tell you, sweat just broke in all over me. And here's Jesus. I mean, this, this was, this was uh, a very, very tense agony, agony, very agonizing situation for him. But he was committed that the will of God must be done. And so it was. Notice there in the book of John chapter 6, John chapter 6 and verse 38. Jesus says, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And then come to do what I wanted to do. I come to do God's will. That's what Jesus is asking us. Christ, who is our life, why should Christ be our life? Well, he gives us all kinds of reasons. He creates us, he stains us, he redeems us, and he sets the perfect example for us. He's not asking us, asking us to do something that he himself was not willing to do. He was willing to do it, even in something that's very difficult and whatever it might be that's very difficult in fulfilling the will of God. Well, suck it up, buttercup. Pray, God, help me, please do your will. That, that's the attitude. That, that's where humility and lowliness and meekness comes in and commitment. That's where faith comes in. It's not going to be easy. But if you're committed to the Lord, you say, okay, I'm going to to do my best. Notice one more passage in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and number 7. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7. Then said I, lo, I come, parentheses, in the volume of the book it is written of me, uh, to do your will, O God. Now just read that without the parentheses. Then said I, lo, I come to do your will, O God. That's the mindset of Jesus. I come to do your will. The exaltation of the will of God. God's will comes first. See, Jesus set the example for us. He didn't say, now you make me Lord in your heart, you make me king, and you submit your will to my will. But hey, you know, I'm not willing to do it. No, he was willing to do it. He set the perfect example. And uh, that, of course, gives us great encouragement that we can follow his example. All right. There are consequences of choices mention we're all creatures of choice we have the power of volition power to choose we can choose to go left we can choose to go right we can choose to do this way we can choose to do a different way we can choose to accept we can choose to reject what are the consequences of our choices well if we do make Christ our life if we do love God with all our heart if we do let Christ live in us if we do exalt the will of God what are the consequences well let's go back where we started Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. What's the consequence of making Christ our life? We will appear with him in glory. That, that's, that's pretty pretty encouraging. Let's look at another verse. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. We'll get back to those other verses on the flip side. Uh, there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. But 2 Thessalonians 1, chapter 1 verse 10. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints. And to be admired in all them that believe. Because our testimony among you was believed in that day. in the day that Jesus Christ returns. It will be a day when the saints will be glorified. And we give glory and honor when we're ushered into the eternal city. That's a great Blessing its a consequence of accepting Christ as Lord in our life. Notice there in 1 John chapter 3, in the first epistle of John, chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. John said, Beloved, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God? Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for, he, for we shall see him as he is. Don't know exactly what this new glorified body that will be fitted for heaven. Don't know exactly what it's like. We know it's going to be glorious. It's going to be like Christ. It's going to be immortal. It's going to be be, uh, immortal. That is not subject to death. I mean, the bodies we live in, it's just written right there on our forehead. It's mortal. That is subject to death. Everybody's subject to death. Even little babies. It's written on their forehead, too. They're subject to death just like everybody else but we're going to receive a glorified body where we will not be subject to death. In the book of Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, we looked at that verse, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. When we make Christ our life, when Christ lives in me, when Christ is Lord, when Christ is the uh, ruler of my heart, that his will is preeminent, that I walk by faith in making this commitment, well, to die is a game. If otherwise we die, it's a total loss. It's a, it's a total bust. Because one thing for sure, well, all that we live for in this planet, we're not going to take it with us. And when we die, we we'll leave it all behind. So if that's all you're living for is this world, when you die, you lose it all. Everything. Everything. Every. Every. Every every dollar you put in a a savings account, an investment account, whatever, you you leave it all behind. It would be a total bust if that's all we're living for is the here and now. Well, Let's look at another verse there in the book of Philippians chapter 3, the last two verses. Philippians 3, 20, 21. For our citizenship is in heaven. That is when we obey the gospel, our names are written, registered in the Lamb's book of life registered in heaven for our citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look for the savior the lord jesus christ who shall change our humble body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself he will take this tabernacle of flesh that will be planted in the ground and he is able to give us a new glorified body that will be fitted for heaven that's a consequence of making christ Lord, making Christ your life. Let's look at the flip side. We're creatures of choice. We can choose to serve Christ. We can choose to to exalt him as Lord. We can choose to love God with all our hearts. We can choose to follow him, to to make his will our will. On the flip side, we can also choose, well, you know, I don't want that. It sort of cramps my style. I kind of like to do what I want to do. I don't like anybody tell me anything. I'll do as I please. Okay, you do have that power to choose to reject God, to spit in the face of God, say, I don't believe in you, God. I don't accept you, and I'm not going to love you, and do as you please. Yeah, you have that power of choice, but now there are consequences to making that choice, and we're reading about them. Notice there in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Some people wonder, well, you know, it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem fair. Well, Paul says it is a righteous thing to recompense tribulation for those that reject. And to you who are troubled with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. There are consequences to our decisions, to our choices. We are creatures of choice. But if we choose that we don't want to accept, we're not going to make Christ our life. We're not going to make Christ our lord we're not going to be exalt him as king okay there's consequences there is eternal judgment coming notice in the book of hebrews chapter 2 hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3 the writer says how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at first began to be spoken by the lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him it's a rhetorical question how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, how shall we escape? That's a rhetorical question. You don't have to say, well, wait a minute. Let me write that down. Let me think about that for a day or two. Let me look, you know, get my dictionary. Let me look at some things up on, on, uh, on Google. You know, hey, Google, what's the meaning of? You, you don't have to do that. You hear this question. How shall we escape if we neglect, neglect so great salvation? It's obvious. You don't escape. You don't escape if you neglect and you don't escape if you reject. Either way, you exercise your choice to reject Jesus by never accepting him or accepting him and then falling away. Yeah, there is no escape. Notice in the book of Matthew chapter 25, which tells and depicts the day of judgment where all are gathered before Christ and there is the separation of the sheep and the goats. In verse 41, to those on the left, then shall I say to them on the left, that is the goats, the people who... Who have the mindset of a goat, who are independent-minded, that sort of do what they want to do, who do as they please, then shall he say also to them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed and everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now there's consequences. Life is full of choices, but life is also full of consequences that comes with those choices. In the book of Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Matthew 10, verse 28, Jesus says, Fear not them who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We could choose to fear men and cower down and, and do whatever they ask us to do. And, and uh, no, I, I'm not going to follow Jesus. And, um, or we could say, well, I, you know, I fear God more. Because, well, what's the worst men could do? Well, they could kill the body, but they can't touch your soul. They can't affect your spiritual relationship with God. But we ought to fear rather than, we ought to fear God, rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, that word destroy does not mean annihilate. He's not going to annihilate. That's not the definition. It's not annihilation. It's not the loss of being. That's, the, that's the, uh, 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 the sense of annihilation. It's not the loss of being. It's the loss of well-being is the point. One more verse. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the fornicators and the sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The second death, the first death, we really don't have, we have no choice about that. It's the point that a man wants to die. You're going to die, I'm going to die. We can say, well, you know, I'm going I'm to fill out an exemption. I'm going to file for an exemption. I'm going to be exempt from death. not going to happen. You, you can't get around it. I can't get around it. Nobody can get around it. Oh, well, I'm going to exercise. Good probably help you feel better, and I'm going to watch what he, okay, probably help you feel better, etc. but ultimately, all the exercising, dieting, and pill taking you want, you're still going to lose the war of life and death. You're going to die like all the rest of us. There is no exemption from the first death. The second death, yeah, we we have power of choice over that. We can choose to avoid the second death, the lake of fire, and how do we choose to uh, uh, avoid the second death? Well, we choose to accept christ we choose to make christ our life we choose to accept his will in our heart and so the question is as we extend the invitation will you make christ your life i mean that's what paul said when christ who is our life when christ who is our life that is we choose to say okay yeah i've heard this message about how christ is the redeemer how christ is the savior that makes sense. He's the Redeemer. I can't save myself. I've sinned. I've, I've committed crimes against God. I don't have anything to pay it back. Okay, I hear this good news. I believe this message that Christ is the Redeemer. And I'm willing to repent, willing to make a turnaround, change my will to submit it to his will, leave sin and turn to God, confess my faith and be baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah, I, I can make Christ my life. Exalt him as Lord, and love him with all my heart. And therefore, I can avoid the, the, the second death. See, I can choose to, well, I want to avoid the second death. Can't can't choose to avoid the first death, but I can choose to avoid the second death, that is, everlasting punishment. Go mm-hmm. up out of that one while you're great, just cleave to the Lord, just cling to him, just stay with him, keep Christ Lord in your heart. If we do fall away, just as we read there in Hebrews chapter 3, we neglected this great salvation, we come back through repentance of prayer the second hall of prayer. If there's one here that needs to obey the gospel, and you want to make Christ your life, and we can help you do the steps to become a Christian, you let us know. Come to the front, and we'll be glad to assist you. While together as we stand and as we sing.